Welcome to the Random Redux Review Podcast. Well, all right then. Welcome to the death episode. If you can't tell from the title, this one broaches on some dark material. You may not feel comfortable watching this, and I totally understand that, but uh, I wanted to really cover this particular topic, especially since I came across some interviews that I did probably about 18 months ago related to this topic um, with some friends of mine, Molly Marco, who's still alive, but then also my friends Eileen Kaminsky and Doug Sparling, who are no longer with us. So I thought it might be interesting to kind of get the perspective from two folks who have since passed away on what death represents in their lives. And, you know, maybe you might be a little surprised with what they would say, maybe not. But anyway, I thought this would be an interesting sort of subject to broach because it's one that you know i know i've become very comfortable talking about probably a lot more but just that that being said just because i'm comfortable with it doesn't mean i want to die doesn't mean that i'm somehow making light of death or not even though there's some light moments in this particular this particular uh episode it's really just more form of taking control taking some of the power away some of the scariness away from death but anyway Let's get into it, and I hope you enjoy. The other thing is, and, and I don't. Something you said sparked this in me. I hadn't planned to talk about it, but I'll go ahead and ask it anyways. That I have actually planned out, and I'm always working on plans for my funeral service. Um, I recently decided that I wasn't going to plan one for after I I, I died. I actually want to have one before I die, so I can be there. Yeah, so you can participate, right? Yeah, so anyway, um... If you go down in the woods today, you're sure of a big surprise. If you go down in the woods today, you'd better go in disguise. For every bear that ever there was will gather there for certain because today's the day the teddy bears have their picnic. It definitely is more for me because what I want is I kind of want to be sort of like a roast slash celebration of my yeah. life. Um, but then I also realized that some people might be sort of sad about it and feel badly about doing that. Like I actually had talked to one other person about it and he was just like, I don't want to trash you at your funeral service. It's, like, so it's almost like you want but I want you to. I, mean, I like seriously think about it a lot and then I'm like, you just want the attention of your funeral, you're gonna be dead. But I'm like, I want them to play Les Mis when they go in and I want the casket to go up. And then I'm like, I don't want a casket. I don't want to be buried, but I definitely want Les Mis when they go in and I want Les Mis when they go out, but I'm very particular about what I want.
you know you're terminal or inoperable, mm-hmm. right? You know what's going to kill you, mm-hmm. right? And we know what that is. And what I try to explain to people is this, here's the difference. Yes, I know everyone's going to die. I freaking hate when people say that. You know, life is a death sentence. You're born, you're going to die. That's it. You weren't here, you're here. You're not going to be here at some point. That's life. Um, the only thing you really have is love and your word, mm-hmm. right? If you, can, if you can have those two things and hold those two things, that's a beautiful thing. While everyone knows that you could get hit by a bus tomorrow, the chances of that actually happening are pretty like low and people don't typically think about that, right? So while they technically know that, they don't really know that. But you don't really have death in your face until you get a diagnosis that says, hey, there's really no fix for you. Um, so it's a different perspective. Most I just wanted to touch base with you just because it's been a little bit and I've been thinking about you a lot. and. Just think about all the things that you must deal with on a on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, the stuff that gets unsaid. So, um, yeah, it's all of us, really. You know, just yeah. this. Mine is. It's funny. I mean, it's not funny. Maybe it is, but how different cancers and people have different paths, really. Because mine is. You know, now I finally get why when people say there's nothing more we can do, well, why not? Give them more chemo, keep doing that. You know, you don't understand that. I've gone through all the treatments I can go through, and I'm on the last one. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, I can take chemo again, but after that, I'm done, you know? So it's it's clinical trials or yeah. just die, you know? You know, once you hit the point where you're um, running out of options, you start thinking about, like, every day multiple times a day like dying and so you kind of mm-hmm. you get <laughs> yeah with it it's your bigger concern is really more how it's going to impact others than it's going to impact exactly you. exactly i mean i'm pretty comfortable with it truthfully mm-hmm. and almost i don't want to say i look forward to it but you know it's 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 inevitable for all of us being you know, one's going to come a little yes. sooner than i'd like but it is my family mostly but you know it's just do you find that you know knowing that um dying sometime soon isn't just sort of like something that might happen it's a a a statistical probability i mean it's it's not insignificant um the uh do you find that that has changed your perspective on on life how you live i know i think you made the comment once that that in many ways, cancer freed you? I know, and that's, I know, yes, I did say that, and that's very me, and I mean it, but I also don't mean it exactly as it might come out. Like, I don't mean like, yay, my life is better since I got cancer. I feel so super, and I'm not scared ever, and life is fabulous all the time. I don't, I'm not going on that, like, like, be brave, you know, you know, stop thinking negatively, you know, I'm not going that route. I just mean, for me, it just forced because of knowing that that window has kind of narrowed and that lifespan, I'm probably not going to live to be 80 years old. Let's just be real. You know, like I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to, and I already, because of all the choices made along the way, I'm not going to have children or grandchildren. I've already thought about those things. So <clears throat> 
how I look at life now is, is different and better because now I'm like, okay, you're on a timeline. You're well now, let's take advantage of that time that you feel good. You still have the diagnosis. You still have the cancer, but it's, it's, it's dormant or whatever it does up there when it's not under treatment and not doing anything worse. I want to do as much as possible in the time I have and I better get on it because with our diagnosis, we know that there's likely to be a reoccurrence, um, a little bit more vengeance in the next reoccurrence. And if there's a recurrence after that, a little more vengeance, you know, so get things done while you're able. And suddenly the things that I still care about how I look, I still care about my fitness. I care about my diet, even if I F up all the time, but now I want to write a book. I want to do these talks. I want to be on someone's blog. I want to meet up with friends. I want to do more things. I want to get it all done. I never thought I was good enough to do a lot of things. Like you shouldn't do that until you lose weight. You shouldn't do this until you, you're not a writer. Like you don't write things. You're not really that good. You know, like just stay in your house. So now I'm like, I'm going to try everything. I want to keep, you know, like there, there's, and somehow it, it feels like I'm better at doing things now than I was before, just because I'm like, oh, F it, I'm going to do it. Let's just do it. Don't sing if you want to live long. They have no use for your song. You're dead, you're dead, you're dead. You're dead and out of this world You'll never get a second chance Plan all your moves in advance Stay dead, stay dead, stay dead Stay dead and out of this world Run fast, don't stand in the sun There's too much work to be done You're down, you're down, you're down you're down and out of this world So I'm just hanging out here in the bathroom. Thought I'd interrupt this video just to help you along in case you couldn't figure out the message of why I chose this particular song, which is basically, uh, don't be dead. Be alive, be active in life. Do the most you can to be the most you can and all of that. Uh, honestly, me personally, I look at it as sort of a real sort of spitting on my grave, so to speak, if you don't live a full, wonderful life after I'm gone. The first brain cancer patient that I met as an adult, I should say, um, she was diagnosed with GVM and, you know, as you know, not a great prognosis with that situation. She had a bucket list um, and lo and behold, she did everything on her bucket list within a year and lo and behold, she didn't die. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. I've heard people who spent all their money that they had because they're like, I'm going to die. I want to do all these things. I'm going to spend all this money. And I'm going to do things I would never do if I had to save my money because I'm not supposed to live. And they live. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I guess where I'm, I'm going with this is that, I mean, she certainly doesn't have any regrets about doing all that stuff, but. Hey guys, just out walking. 
Uh, I do this every day, but today is a little different because I'm uh, blowing off some steam. I got some bad news about a brain cancer friend and some a little angry teed off and you know, it's just very frustrating. And I was listening to a podcast, you can see I have my earbuds in, and they were talking about Jack Lane. And so many of you may know that Jack Lane, famous fitness guru, lived to the age of 97. Everybody raves about how healthy he was and how he did this and that and all these amazing things, pulling things with his teeth across bodies of water and such. Uh, lived to the age of 97. What most people don't know is that Jacqueline actually had a brother who uh, drank smoke, lived a wilder life, so to speak, didn't necessarily eat well and all that, didn't really exercise regularly, and he lived to guess what age? 97 also. So, kind of makes you wonder how much of this is just sort of stuff that's gonna happen. I mean, does any of this activity, like I walk every day to, in theory, extend my life and so forth, but does it really help? Probably, certainly improves quality of life, but in the grand scheme of things, does any of this really matter? Is this just a fool's errand, a fool's game? Something we tell ourselves to feel better. So anyway, that's my happy thought for today. You know, this is stuff that I don't usually uh, share on social media for whatever, but it is stuff that I think about where it's like, you know, it's like I hear a noise in the other room and it's the kids doing something and I feel like I want to jo join or whatever and then like have to make a decision. Is this, you know, is this uh, the opportunity of what's going on? Is this the last time something like this might mm -hmm. happen? Um you know, so it's like, I, that can be a motivator to a certain extent where it's like, I don't want their, you know, final memories of me is to be the guy just laying in bed. But then at a certain time, I kind of have to do that to take care of myself. So it's like. Yeah, yeah. And I do though. I mean, I sleep a lot. Depending on what medication I'm on too. Because I, I still, well, I nap now. I used to sleep just mm -hmm. constantly. When I first got diagnosed, and I think it may be the same for most people, regardless of what cancer and the stage, but just mm -hmm. getting cancers really freaks you out, I think. And then I got diagnosed in October. Mm -hmm. And so it was right into the holidays. So I remember Thanksgiving. I thought, oh, this is going to be my last Thanksgiving and Christmas. You know, my wife was putting up a tree and I started crying. I thought, it would be my last Christmas. And, you know, once I got into the treatment and figured out what was going on, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm good for a while. But now that I know where I'm going, it's like, it's really not, you know, and, uh, what's the hell I'm looking for? So, you know, it's, it's, it's a valid question. Next year, it's going to be my last one. Or this year, actually, even. It's, it's, it's interesting. I was kind of the opposite. Like, I didn't, it didn't register with me any of the mortality stuff at all, at least for the first, I'd say, year and a half to two years. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't until then that it started to kick in, like, oh, okay. This is not just another situation. I might die and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, I think part of it, I mean, was good in that my wife didn't give me a lot of information and I didn't search it out on my own. Wow, okay. But um, as she's felt more comfortable giving me more information, it has sort of wakened me up. And so it
Sorry, I don't mean to be so down this episode. No, 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 no. This to me is not. This is just cancer talk to me. It's not down. Cancer's just bullshit. Yeah, it's just bullshit. I, I, I flip and hate it, and and I'm so tired of it now. I hate how normal it is for people to die. <laughs> it's, yeah, really, I have, it's really not yeah. not cool at all. Like, yeah, I have a long list. The people who've died in the last you know year year and a half yeah you know when i started going to um what was it there sorry uh, you know what i'm talking about just can't remember what you're doing um <laughs> you guys forgetting everything um, oh i know what it was i think um i mean yeah i have it when I, before I went to uh, the uh, metastatic cancer support group yeah. here, um, I really was really scared of it, you know. And then I went to the, one of the regular cancers. So, well, they just talk and then do some meditation. That might, might be pretty cool. So I went to that, and it was everybody was about twenty years older than me. They were all cured or in remission. You know, I had nothing in common with anybody, except they were nice people. You know. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming back being so depressed, but I was so scared of going to the metastatic group because, you know, I was still in the de- denial phase, mm-hmm. hardcore maybe, I don't know. But So I finally went, I go, oh, finally people you know, I can talk to. But what happened, you know, is, oh, people in here die, you know, I mm-hmm. forgot about that part. And yeah, that, that a lot of people, I think I'm about the oldest person, I mean, longest member had been in the group because everyone else has died you know some people have said how can you feel so bad you didn't meet that person in person i said i know more about them than most of the friends i've ever had in my life because this is so fucking personal yeah it is so very personal i mean you and i have just had a conversation that is exceedingly personal and you wouldn't have that with a lot of your friends no i wouldn't you know, it's hard. It's hard. And um, they wouldn't get it, first of all, but your life changes totally. So when I mourn someone who I didn't meet in person, mm. it's equally as, um, you know, it, it, it's the same as if I had met them and we had had coffee together on a regular basis. It's just a different kind of coffee. Very gravelly uh, coffee that doesn't taste very yeah. good. And they charge yeah. too much for it. Way too much. And and there's a copay on it, too. Yeah. And I, I don't want to tip them. It's kind of interesting talking to, to doctors. Like my primary care physician, um, I mean, he, he's uh, 
you know, I had a physical last year and he was kind of surprised at how well I was doing whatever. Uh, yeah, he's the one that made the joke of like, aside from the brain cancer, you're actually in pretty good health for your age yeah. and whatever. But, um, uh, but like, you could almost see it in his face. Like, I'm not expecting you to still be alive and be, be, be doing as well as you can. I mean, I think that's one of the things that's really hard. I think, especially with brain cancer for, for people to kind of grasp that you can be dying, but not necessarily look like you're dying. And which may, I think makes it even harder. Cause it's kind of like, do you ever experience people who are like, dude, you're not going to die. You look fine. Yes, you're, doing yes. great. you're at the gym. You look fine. And so surely you're fine. I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, yes. I mean, I, I'm glad I'm grateful that I appear and feel so good, but legit, I'm not getting better. See, that's the thing. That's the thing I want people to understand. And I don't want them to think, I don't want a pity party. It's not a pity party. It's just like, don't like roll your eyes or something. Like I'm not any better now than I was before. Well, I am better than I was before the craniotomy because as far as I know, there's no regrowth yet, but it's still there. I still have that. I'm still on seizure medication. Um, and I'm not, and that's the big thing is like the diagnosis is I'm not getting better. We're not, neither of us, we're not going to get better. You become more comfortable talking about dark things. Um, and, and that's hard for some people. It makes people uncomfortable. People don't like uncomfortable things. So, right. They want to hear the happy stuff. They want to hear the good yeah. stuff. I went through six months of tax all with no break. Mm -hmm. And, um, I came, my doctor actually would come around the side and he'd sneak a peek at me before he would actually come in to see me. And so when the six months was over, I said, Dr. Blaney, I said, were you checking to see if I lost my hair? And he said, we thought we were gonna lose you in, in February of 2019. He said, so honestly, I was seeing before I came in how you were because mm -hmm. I, we're very close. We have a really good relationship. And um, you know, he, he was just very concerned he was gonna lose me. He would actually pat me on the back and say, God bless you to me every time he would see me. I've talked to some people saying that, you know, there's some oncologists that will never talk to you like that. And there's some that will, mm -hmm. whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, for me, I, I can understand why, you know, people aren't told, uh, you know, like my wife, she withheld some stuff from me, but at the same time, I'm kind of the person that I just want to know, like, mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily going to freak out like in your office and give the examination room or even when I go home, but I will, I mean, I guess I'll freak out quietly in my head. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The same way. I've never freaked out or anything. Well, you know, if, I don't think I've done it with my oncologist, you know, my uh, psychiatrist and psychologist, I think I've cried made them cry too truthfully everyone's always surprised it's almost like people are surprised to see you're still alive for some reason do you know mm -hmm. what i mean it's like they, they seem sort of shocked the death part i'm okay with it's the dying part that i feel like more people are scared of the dying and i feel like that that is you know, like i want to know what is it like what is what is dying like um and i know it's different but yeah, I would, I would agree. I think for me, it's like I had never had a fascination with death. I was always very scared with the idea, but 
um, like, you know, scared of dying certain ways and wanted to make sure that, um, you know, it wasn't a long drawn out painful death and all that. And, and that's one thing that's actually kind of brought me solace. At least, I mean, it's not always the case, but generally with brain cancer, you tend to just sort of lose your mind, <laughs> so to speak, um, and fade out, fade away. I mean, yeah, I might be in a diaper or hooked up to a colostomy bag, but I'm probably not going to be aware. I'm probably going to slip into a coma and pass away, which is actually not that bad compared to a lot of cancers, which are pretty miserable. Can I tell you that when I had, so when I was diagnosed, um, I had to hang up the phone because I was afraid I was going to scream. So I didn't want to scream in front of the neuro-oncologist. He calmed me down. He told me to come into the office and I was all calmed down. And then my general practitioner at the time decided to call me and she basically told me I was going to die in like three to four years or something. I don't remember. And I just like lost my mind again. So then I had to call my neuro-oncologist again. And I told him what she said and I was scared and, and he was really cool. And he kind of calmed me down. I go, but he was a little, you know, had a little bit of a bleaker, you know, okay. So we, this is like, I got like, when I was diagnosed, I got the first version, which is fine. But when I asked him questions about end of life and dying and what, what is it like for a brain cancer patient? Like what is the most common way? Like, What's it like? So I asked him that second call. I go, I'm like, what is it like? How how do they die? And he's like, most of the time they they kind of they it is like you said they kind of you know it isn't exact like that. You you probably are wearing a diaper or something, but like this part goes before the rest of you, and I almost think that's a blessing <laughs> in a way. I guess, but it's different. Again, not all situations are the same. I fear living for 40 or 50 years with the deficits I have. I mean, obviously it's different for everybody, but these things are pretty annoying. It's like, it gets old. It's like, so in that sense, it's very much changed my perspective on dying. Like, I don't necessarily want to die right now, but I don't want to live for a long, long, long time. I kind of, in some ways, welcome death. I mean, again, I have to reiterate that I don't want to die now or anytime soon, but I'm fine dying. Like if I'm 60, to me, that would be like tremendous or 70. I mean, those would be, that would be huge. It's just like, that would be enough for me. As much as like, I am sad that I lost my mom in kind of a tragic way. I'm grateful for her. It was, it was quick. Like she had pancreatic cancer for almost a year, but she lived every day that she could. I mean, she had so many issues along the way, but like her final two weeks, she was in a lot of pain, but she was already used to the pain. So wasn't like anything new and she was still busy the day before she died it's understandable to be scared but i think since we're all going to do it we sort of should try to have some control over what we think about it if every word i said could make you laugh i'd talk forever I asked the sky just what we had It shone forever 
the typical sort of um, response from the normal citizen of the world is like, no, I'm going to fight to live as long as possible. And, and, and sometimes I see that from people and I'm like, just wait. Like, like when they're all like, when they're newly diagnosed or have like, but once it's progressed and if you've been, if you're feeling garbage, like if all you can do really is be in bed and you can't really even be yourself, then I mean, it, it's again, your choice. It, it, but you're gonna die someday anyway, so like that's that's the hard thing, and and I I just I get a lot of garbage for that too. People like hate that I like saying that. Hope shifts, right? We have hope for longer lives. We have hope for better treatments, but you can also hope for a good death, right? I mean, there there is that at the end where you can say to yourself, I don't want to be in pain, and and you know, hope is something that no one should ever take away from us, ever, ever. I think the minute you take hope from someone, that's when they go. It was the worst, you know, like for the first, for me, at least a year after getting diagnosed, I just, I'd wake up every night about four in the morning and just, well, my head was like, oh yeah, this the night, yeah, it was a freak out time. Mm -hmm. Don't miss those days. Yeah. It is interesting how after a while it becomes easier to sleep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's a lot easier to sleep now. And guess what? I look fine now, but you know, it could happen really fast. I mean, there's people who have gone from being just like I am to dead in a week, literally one week. Just it just goes and you're gone. And I don't think about that though. Because thinking about that is not how I want to live my life, right? I don't want to live my life thinking about my death. I want to live my life thinking about my life. So I live with terminal cancer. I'm not, I, I kind of put it this way. I'm not dying from terminal cancer. I'm living with terminal cancer. And I will die, period. Period.